You are listening to the Hello Sport Podcast. Welcome to the Hello Sport Podcast, home of unqualified opinion and unwavering bias. Uh, another interview podcast, Eddie. We're racking them up. Is this three in three weeks? It's three in three weeks. Very lucky listeners. Usually they listen to us just talk shit. Yeah. Uh, but this week we've got another one. We've gone to another level. Uh, we have got former rugby league player, premiership winner, origin representative, now media personality, Jamie Soward. Thank you very much for joining us. <laughs> what a build-up. <laughs> you actually make me sound like I'm good at uh, what I do. Look, um, yeah, I, I just say former rugby league player. I don't have to list the accomplishments. Mate, but, um, no, it's, that's my job. Yeah, I just, I, I'm happy to be here. I'm excited because I haven't, usually you proof all the questions and you're like, oh yeah, you know, we're sort of going, but uh, open slather today, boys. Thank you very much. Uh, so how are you? Well, I'm good. Good? Yeah, new father. So Indiana's four months old now and... Uh, Really loving fatherhood. Uh, my wife Maddie's killing it. So yeah, everything's going good. We just met little Indiana out the back. Adorable. Just anything unexpected around fatherhood that you've sort of, or is it all? Um, honestly, it's like I think I'd be more comfortable with a little boy because yeah. around you know all that kind of stuff. But rough and tumble. Yeah, rough. Yeah, just like when you hold her up and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I I, I love fatherhood. I think it's it's really mellowed me out a little bit i think i'm an intense guy and an emotional guy and i uh, don't sit on the fence on too many things but it's sort of softened me up but i'm sure that'll uh change once the referees stuff something up this weekend or <laughs> or someone you know a play happens in the nrl or something happens but uh yeah it, it's really mellowed me out i think yeah nice well we'll get to your playing crew in a bit but you're talking about uh you know we mentioned that you're in the media now what well, just what year did you retire uh, 2016. 2016, right. So you finished up uh, and then bit of work at Triple M. and No, had- no, no, no. I actually sat on my ass for about three months. Oh, shit, that's and right. And then my wife, who works at head office, Harvey Norman, not the look, but it was like, you need to do something. You can't be professional PlayStation player. Um, so I went and sold toilets at Harvey Norman. That's right. How long Taps did you do that for? A year, on and off for a year. Did you really? Yeah. So, like, people coming in, and this is, like, the ignorance of some fans. They just want their team, you know. They don't really see what's going on. They'd be like, oh, how's training going? Okay. <laughs> Clearly not well because I'm fat and selling toilets. So, um, But you know what? Taking that job at Harvey Norman and working in taps and toilets and all that kind of stuff opened up so many doors uh, otherwise because I had to learn to talk to people that didn't know me. Mm. and didn't care that I wasn't playing footy so mm. and had to get money out of them. So that helped me going into full-time media work and that's why I've been lucky enough now to, to kick off and be full-time in the media. How was that? I completely I do remember now when you did yeah. that. Um, you know, when you, when you tell people that you were, you know, you're a former rugby league player and now you're working at Harvey Norman selling toilets, there is the obvious thing of people going like, wow, shit. Yeah. How was that for you just on maybe like an ego level where you've gone from, you know, top of the heap as it yeah. were and then now you sort of, I mean, humble maybe isn't the right word, but you just sort of had to go, shit, all right, I need to find something to do. This is what I'm doing. Uh, the first month I was very embarrassed uh, because everyone thinks that, you know, I still play local basketball and everyone's like, oh, you must have millions in the bank. Like, yeah. <laughs> dude, I've been divorced. <laughs> I partied. I, you know, wasted my money. Uh, lucky enough that I met my wife and, you know, we had enough saved uh, out of that divorce. But, like, it's embarrassing because people just think, you know, you have all this money and they don't understand that life happens. And 
I think that's where, as I've matured, you know, going back in and selling toilets, I sort of matured pretty quickly that I'm only going to earn 20 bucks an hour plus commission. And if I don't get out there and throw myself into it, I'm going to really struggle to help contribute until, I mean, media was my passion. I've been doing it at Triple M since 2013 or 14 when I was still playing. So, um, but I needed to just throw myself into it and I actually really enjoyed it. Um, I don't know how much work I did because people would want to talk footy. So <laughs> I'd just find my way down bathrooms. I'd go to carpets and talk to the proprietors there and they'd talk for footy for about 20 minutes. I'd go at the back and talk to the warehouse people and then before I knew it, my shift was finished. <laughs> and the boss knew that I wasn't going to make thousands of dollars for her, but um, the notoriety and people coming in and talking and I just I ended up really enjoying it. So how did you transition from, you know, talking footy with the punter and the dribbler to uh, talking professionally, you know, in the media game? How did that come about? Uh, I approached Triple M uh, when I was still playing and tried to pretty much I, I assign myself two years to just say I'll do anything and I'll give anything a go. And the first year, I think I did it for free a couple of times just to try and see if I was good at it, mm. um, which I secretly sort of knew that I'd be good at just relating to the to the person listening because I can get in technical and I can describe the play as technical as you like, but I can also dumb it down because I know what I like to listen to on the radio. Yeah, uh, I listen to a lot of American stuff and I bring that American podcast stuff and all that sports center and ESPN stuff. I bring that across to how I commentate and how I talk to people mm. and how I relate the play to how they're listening. So that really helped me. Um, then yeah, pretty much when I retired, I just did the, the toilets for a while and then, you know, just, I think my hard work early on in those early years at Triple M paid off and I started doing footy games and then um, it got to a point where recent, just recently, you know, I sort of looked at myself and I was enjoying what I was doing. You know, I signed on with NRL.com, um, was doing Triple M and then had an opportunity to go across to Macquarie Sports and, and 2GB and for me, uh, it's a big move because I've got a young family, I need some security and... Um, Jumping across to a team that's been around for nearly 30-odd years, one of the probably the best sports show to listen to on a weekend. Everyone knows who the continuous call team is. To be a part of that uh, really excited me and felt like that I was actually moving up the ladder. And um, you combine that with what I do with a little bit of Fox and then Channel 9 last year doing the reserve grade, uh, the Canterbury Cup New South Wales, really put it all together. So while I'm working like six jobs and got to be here, there and everywhere, I love it because the Canterbury Cup New South Wales is such an important stepping stone to the NRL that I can actually use stuff that I am practicing for mainstream, which is NRL, which, you know, the ratings for Channel 9 are great, but the radio NRL, everyone sort of listens to and knows. So I just bring it all together and mesh it and... For seven months, I don't see my wife or kid on the weekend now, so uh, I'm pretty much footy mode until October, and then they get me back to being a dad. Do you find you have to alter your approach between radio and TV? Do you find like you, you do you find yourself doing more on radio because the viewer can't see anything? Yeah, oh, look, I th radio's a lot looser. Like yeah. I think radio, um, I enjoy radio and podcasts probably because you're not timed out like it, radio it's sort of you just loose and it's yeah, just like yeah. us you know we could be calling a game right now and you know people will listen because they can go to the kitchen and whatever whereas tv it's like keep it short keep it sharp you know you got to have an ad break you got to have ads here stuff like that so that maturity side of things for me was really good learning that okay i can watch this stuff and still chime in when i need to but 
on radio I can probably go a little bit longer and, and be a little bit looser because that's what people want to hear. They they put on the radio because they're probably doing something else. Mm. If you're watching TV, you're watching TV to listen to the analysis of the game. So I find a nice little balance there. I enjoy both. Uh, I'd love to, if one thing I need, I need to get better at interviewing people, um, both podcasts and on radio and stuff like that. I get really nervous and anxious that, um, being honest, that the players don't really respect me or what I did and um, whether that be my opinions, you know, that, that's still an anxiety thing for me and something that I've, that anxiety is something I've always struggled with and I go out there on field and I'm like looking up to these players and interviewing them and I just want to know as a fan because I'm excited to hear what they say but um, that's something I need to get better at. So just on that side of things, the anxiety yeah. side of things, so um, is that something you've dealt with your whole career? Uh, yeah. In different forms? Yeah, so I suffered from depression uh, and anxiety through the divorce, which you know, I made public you know, the last couple of years. And you know, anxiety is like a funny thing. It just happens straight away and mm. you, can't, you can try and slow it down, but it's still going to happen. So um, anxiety, like I was always conscious of what people were saying about me, but in, you know, the way I played, I used that as a chip. And then it turned into either a good performance or a bad performance. Now, I'd like to think that most of the times it was a good performance. But when it was a bad performance and we'd lost and I was in the paper and had played bad, like, you just crash. And that's why it's a roller coaster because you talk to players and you guys have been around players. You're winning, the roller coaster's up. Hands up. Yep, I'm on the beers. I can't wait to get out. As soon as you lose or play bad, it's free fall. And if you lose two or three in a row and your form's not good, you just you don't know when you're going back up again. Would you? Did you talk to people about it when you were playing, or was it something you just dealt with privately? Um, I dealt with it until I met Maddie, and then I'd gone and seen. I'd been seeing someone for about two months before that. So the doctor at the time at Penrith had realised that I was struggling, uh, which everyone had known. But he'd probably pushed a little bit harder and pushed my buttons a little bit more, and I ended up going to see someone, and uh, that was through the divorce and and all that kind of shit. So. Yeah. Ah, uh, it was yeah, it was dark. Yeah, like I was living by myself, and yeah, you go. But the best thing was I went and talked to someone that had no idea about footy and just wanted to talk to me as a person. And she ended up changing my life. Like you know, the way I look at things. And then I met Maddie, and it was like, for me, I always say this: for me, I'm a million times happier now than what I was playing. Yeah, like right. playing's great. I loved the fact that I got the chance to earn money and play footy and, and play with mates and win a comp and all that kind of stuff and I'll never forget those accomplishments but I'm just like 10 times million happier now just being a father and, and that kind of stuff you say that you say you're happier now and, and you know you, you've dealt with your anxiety and that's getting a lot better but I find it interesting that you still feel like some of the players don't think that you know you've accomplished enough in the game for you to interview them yeah. you know I mean origin player won a premiership um, won a Jersey flag, did you win yeah. the comp there? Like, you've done just about everything bar an Origin series, really. So, I find it interesting that you still feel that way. Is that because you've, of feedback you've gotten at one point in your life was um, just an insecurity? Probably an insecurity, I would say. Yeah. Um, still getting used to going out and interviewing the players that I'd played against. That um, you get, it's just a build up. Like, you go out there and still interviewing people. Like, yeah, you know, a couple of times I've gone to interview people on the sideline and I've been a bit. 
you know, will they even talk to me? And not probably overthinking it. And yeah. that's anxiety. That's what it is. You overthink things and you make things bigger than what they actually are. And by the time I go out there and interview them, I come off and I say, oh, congratulations, blah, blah, blah. And then just keep moving. And I'm like, oh. There's nothing to worry there's about. There's nothing to worry about, <laughs> yeah. you know. So, that's fucking um, anxiety. Yeah. Man. And yeah. like it just recently, yeah, I'm doing a piece for NRL.com. And, you know, now that I'm in the media, I have to predict and where teams are going to finish. And, you know, no one wants to predict a team to finish last. But... I have to do it. Yeah, mm. that's my job. And if I don't do my job, I don't get paid. So, I, you know, the first week I've, I've picked Parramatta to finish last again this year. First interview of the year is Brad Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> like how do I look at Brad Arthur, whose job's on the line for finishing last last year? He looks at me and they're like, oh, it's Jamie Sowers interview. And he's like, shut the F up. <laughs> How am I going to – I'm not letting him ask me a question because, yeah, obviously he's joking. He, he yeah. gets it as well. And I'd I'd like to think that everyone that plays the game and is involved with the game understands that these things have to happen, you know. So, But my anxiety after I heard him sort of, you know, look at me, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so then we go live and I have to ask him a question. <laughs> and I'm like, I hope he just doesn't – I hope he answers. Yeah, yeah. And then he does. And then after, I'm like, oh, good luck for the year. And yeah, yeah, I don't good. want to pick anyone to come last. But the fact is someone comes last it. every year, you know. And Parramatta could come last. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where um, did you have Man- – where you got Manly? Just out of curiosity. Yeah. Uh, look. You got a couple of Manly fans. See, I, like everyone says, oh, how's the footy season? You're pumped for tonight. And I go, yeah, I'm pumped <laughs> for the start of the year. But I started a month ago. You know, I started looking at squads and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, look, I had Manly 12th. Mm. But – yeah, they got no depth, so Dude. I got them. The backline they've fighting, rolled out this week, fighting for the spoon, maybe. <laughs> I got Bulldogs, Para, Warriors, and Manly, the bottom four, okay. quite comfortably. Okay, look, look, we'll let that go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've come all the way from Penrith. <laughs> all right, you'll let it go. <laughs> um, so, uh, in terms of, I mean, with. The context of what you're talking about, the anxiety you dealt with during your career, and maybe even when you were playing, maybe there was a perception that you know you were a little bit cranky or you know um, maybe misunderstood. I'd say maybe at times. How did you find the transition into media, knowing what players go through, knowing the scrutiny they they come under? Talking about the roller coaster as well. How much of a consideration is that for you when then you need to go and talk about players? Do you kind of go, I'm in the media now. I have to do it stiff shit or do you try and come in with a bit more compassion? Um, yeah, it's a, that's a great question. Look, I think when I was, I was always conscious of what was going on around me because I wanted to work in the media. So I had one media training when I was 19. From 19 till probably 30, I was just an absolute prick to the media because what's drilled down from the coaches and the club is don't give any ammo. Don't, you know, don't say anything that's going to rile the other team up. Don't put yourself out there in case you play bad. So all these negatives, right? So you put these walls up and, like, people come and ask you questions. You're like, nah, nah, nah. Yeah, and we saw the Darius Boyd, the infamous Darius Boyd interview. Yeah. You know? yeah. I was in that room when Wayne had said, don't say anything to the media. Meaning, don't give them any stuff that they can go off. Not you know? literally don't So say Darius goes down. <laughs> Ten minutes later, we're all back upstairs. He's <laughs> like... Darius. <laughs> so, um, look, I'll never personally bag a player. I don't think that's fair. And I, I've been to games where fans just absolutely tee off. And, you know, I'm a passionate Celtic supporter So in the basketball. So, for me, I can get right into it. But also understand that these guys have lives as well. And for some of these guys, they do go home and read the stuff. You can't get away with it. Social media these days give 
people platforms anywhere, anytime to say anything without any repercussion. Mm. You know, you can, we can put this podcast out. People can comment as much as they like. Unless I go on and read it, I'm not going to know. So um, I'll always call it as I see it. If I think a guy is underperforming for what they need to do for their team to help them win, because it's all about winning at the end of the day if you're a player. And the transition for me into the media was call it how I see it. Uh, it's going to be hard sometimes if players that you like or you've played with, but at the end of the day, you know I have to get, I have to do my job, protect myself on my own business now. So, if as long as I saw it down the line, and I'd be happy if someone was saying that about me and listening back. I mean, I remember when Mark Guy called me, yeah, a, a toll. Yeah, Greg Inglis ran over me. Greg Inglis, 110 kilos, game one, <laughs> 09, drifts across. We've all seen it on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, it puts me into row four Olympic Park. And that was the opening nights. So everyone's watching, and it's like, oh, Jamie Sowers, it's all blah, blah, blah. He can't tackle this. I'm like, I can look at this two ways. I can get really upset, or I can just. So I just said, well, it's 2009, all right? It's E tag, clearly, okay? <laughs> and, yeah, I'm going to be on GI's highlights for the rest of my life. So <laughs> when my kid grows up, she's going to be like, there's daddy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's always hard. Look, there's more people that can scrutinise you, I think, in the media at any time. Like Twitter's a perfect... I love Twitter, but there's some real wankers on Twitter that mm. don't get... They see their team and see where you picked them and they don't understand and they just want to lash out. Uh, and then you say something back to them like, oh, 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 blah, blah, blah. They come back and you're like, okay, well, if I'm going to take the time to, to write back to you, at least understand that I've actually got an opinion. And yeah. the easiest thing for a, a player to say is, well, you don't play. Yes. And that shuts everyone up every yep. time. Media, journalists, yeah. I work with people and they talk to me and they go, oh, and I go, mate, you never played. <laughs> you know, it's like to miss a tackle to cost your team the game. Yeah. So as long as I call it how I see it and I can go home at night and sleep without knowing the fact that it wasn't a personal attack because I don't have any personal vendettas that I'd be like, oh, my God, I need to bag that guy every time I'm on radio. Mm. The people that I didn't get on with on the field, I'm an emotional player. I did it to win. That was mm. it. I, I did it, everything I did to win. And I was judged off that. You know, Players aren't judged off whether they play good and they lose. And everyone goes, oh, well, you played well. They're judged off winning and losing. So, yeah, um, yeah I just call it how I see it, go home, enjoy it, and then move on. Just to backtrack a little bit, you talked about how you're instilled from the coaching setup and higher-ups that it's basically don't say that, don't say this, you know, shy away from the truth a little bit or, or hold things back so, you, you know, you don't open yourself up to criticism. Do you think that's the right approach Should to dealing with the media, that is? Or do you think, you know, they should be a little bit looser in some respects, a little bit more? I think it's Australian media. Okay. I think Australian media... Anyone that watches the Americans, yeah, they are their own people. Yeah, they are exactly. their own brand. They, yes, they earn millions, millions more dollars, but they get it. Mm. They get that if they don't put themselves out there, say things, do things, they'll never, ever get the millions, right? Mm. Ours is a lot more team-based sort of stuff, you know? Like, you look at a, a guy called Antonio Brown has just demanded a trade and got it. He got a $30 million raise, by getting trade, by asking to get traded or demanding to get traded to another team, and he got a thirty million dollar raise the next day because he came out and said, "No, nah, I don't like this team. No, nah, nah, they're doing all this stuff behind the thing." It's like, can you imagine if a player did that here? Can you imagine if Cam Smith said, "No, nah, I want to be, I want to go to Brisbane right now. You know, I want four years. I yeah. want eight million dollars." Like people would be going, "Shut up!" Yeah. <laughs> they, you know what I mean? There so is that's, just no fucking way that would fly. So it's negative, like from the start. But I get that because 
you got to walk back into a locker room of guys that aren't on seven, eight hundred thousand that have got other stuff going on in their lives. You need to think about everyone else. But sometimes you can actually do that in the media and be, you know, I understood it when I went to England, right, for the first for the second time. Mm. Uh, sorry, first time. I'd been the Dragons said we don't want you. We want it, and this is, you know, the Dragons fans. If you're listening. You offered me one year, Penrith offered me four, okay? <laughs> I'm sick of walking past Dragons fans and they're like, you left us, you're a wanker soured. I'm like, okay, two things. We won your premiership. <laughs> Secondly, okay, secondly, you offered me one year. You had Gareth Widdop coming and I had four years from Penrith, okay? I took the Penrith deal because four years. Yeah, for right? sure. Pretty fucking simple. Yeah, so I go to England and when I went to England in London, they've got no media coverage and the guy comes to me, the media guy, and he goes, Sowie, I know you've just gotten off the plane last week, you've played, but we need you to do this thing for Sky Sports. We haven't had Sky Sports down here all year. I'm like, okay, no worries. So I sit down, Sky Sports. Anyway, they start getting... I came back from there, I'm like, we have media all the time. I just don't use it right. I just... I put my walls up, think about myself, think about winning, think about, okay, I don't want to upset any of my teammates, but now it's time to go like that. And in 2014, I came back. That was my best year at the Panthers by far. And we fell one game short of the grand final. And I just let it hang. I was like, yep, cool. I'm comfortable with myself now. I'd, I'd have built some media relationships. And I think that helped me transition into the media mm. after the fact that I knew that Penrith was going to be my last contract. But um, that negativity had just been like, and Ivan was a big part of that. Ivan's like, back yourself. You know, Wayne was like, back yourself. But I was probably more comfortable after coming back from England and, and understood a lot more. And I think that's been able to help me. Is there, is there a part of that? Where the coaches and the players' reticence to have them talk to have you like talk to the media is because on one hand you've got the uh, you know the gotcha journalism where they're trying to catch people out and all that sort of shit. So like from that angle, I can see why it's you know why yeah there's a, a an incentive not to talk to the media. But as you were saying, from a personal perspective, it's almost better to be a little. It's better to be a little bit more open so that you can build your own brand. If you look at someone like Ponga, who obviously is fucking elite, but like he's on Fox Sports now, he talks to everyone, he does everything. Like there's there's more to gain to be more open. A hundred percent. But the top guys, unfortunately, the top guys get it better than the middle guys, and the the yeah. guys that get no coverage, right? So. You know, Caelan Pong is the face of the game at the moment. So yeah. he can come out and say whatever he likes, knowing the fact that he's fucking awesome. <laughs> and, you know, he's a gun. You know, all yeah. these stuff. Like, everyone is pushing for Caelan. Like, he could have one bad game and everyone go, well, he, he wasn't great. But next game, you know, he needs to improve this, this and this. And he'll come out and kill it, set up two tries. And everyone forgets about it, right? If you're on the, on the cusp of coming into first grade, um, you know, you, you don't really understand. You're trying to find your way. It's hard. It's hard to be yourself because you've got older guys that they don't want you. They don't want 21-year-old or 19-year-old Dylan Brown from Parramatta coming out and going, I'm the man for the next 10 years for Parramatta. They don't want that. It's yeah. just it's rugby league. We don't, we don't want that. But I'd be like, oh, geez, that's a, that's a rash statement. But cool. Let's, let's see how you go. You back yourself. Mm. You know, that shouldn't – because if you're in the room – so. If Tom, if you go out now and you start talking about yourself, that doesn't affect what we've gone on the podcast. It just means that you're comfortable and, you know, too many times as a team we worry about what everyone else is saying. What what do you do on the field? If you're worrying about what everyone else is doing on the field, you're not worrying about yourself. Yeah. So if you worry about yourself first, 
And then you're, if you help yourself first, everyone else will help you. So I think if you're in the media and you understand it and you say, instead of going, no, nah, no, nah, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yep. I don't want to give any. Just say, yep, cool. Yeah, we're looking forward to this weekend because what are rugby league players known for? Cliches. Yeah, cliches. Mate, mate, it is fucking maddening sometimes. There's a book on it. There's a book of cliches <laughs> like on, on rugby league cliches. Like it's, if you actually just said, look, we weren't good enough tonight. You know, and the players understood that that was not a di- not a dig at them. We just weren't good enough. Yeah, and you go, oh, okay, cool. And then the next question might not be, what do you have to do next week? You'd be like, oh, okay, where did you guys need to think you need to fix it? And instead of the coach saying, don't give everything away, you'd be like, look, we just dropped too much ball. Yeah, we we need to be better next week. But like, also, like even answer. even even pregame stuff, like I wouldn't mind being a little bit more cocky about the team you're taking on, or you know, like. You don't have to come out and go, yeah, we're going to beat the fuck out of them. But, you know, like, yeah, I'm pretty confident we can, you know, or like whatever it is. But it just seems to be far too, I mean, cliche. As yeah. We, that's, well, all, that's all you get. If someone says, oh, yeah, you're playing the bottom team, right? What are your chances this week? Look, we've had a really good week at training. Yeah, we're confident that we can go out there and get the job done today if we play our best footy. That's all you have to say. Mm. Yeah, that's not disrespecting the opposition, but people out there, Australian, the tall poppy syndrome in Australia is bad. Like yeah. it's the worst anywhere. Yeah. Americans, they bag them, but it's like whatever. <laughs> they just go whatever. They got know? so much cash, you can almost yeah, afford to. It's that, sort of it's sort of celebrated a little bit over here. It's yes, complete I think opposite. it's celebrated. It's complete opposite here. Anytime someone comes out and says anything rash or it's like, oh, what a wanker. Oh, I wouldn't like having him in my team. Like, oh, you wouldn't like Kalen Ponger in your team? Yeah. <laughs> what because he said he, he wants to go out there and set up seven tries? <laughs> Who cares? Just take it for what it is. Live in the moment now. Don't don't go back and and look, you know, and think that you've missed an opportunity growing your own brand because. When people get like when people leave clubs, when people clubs move, like the the misconception in the uh, in rugby league is, oh he left us. Well, hold on a second. The club was playing me in reserve grade. The club didn't want me there. So, do I rot in reserve grade or do I go over to England, finish off, and then try and come back and make myself in the media? Like, it's a business both ways. Clubs move players on That's all the time, the thing, and eh? players move on all the time. So don't get that twisted. No one but gives a shit when the clubs like will do whatever they can to get a player. We're out. over the salary cap, yeah. so they need to shed four players. Look by at next Seguiaro. Week. He gets signed by the Sharks, Mate. and then he's going to get shafted before a can ball's you, even kicked. Can someone tell me how he hasn't got a club? I know, hey. He's can a someone. Gun. Tell me, I'm hey, I'm very good. I'm very good mates with Chico, and I've been through there through his hardest times. He's a gun. He's a gun. He is a gun. Like, he is that fit. He is just smart, fast. Also a character. Like, you know, he's... Someone that you want in your change rooms. Bulldogs, Newcastle, Para. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, And and then we hear that they've got, oh, they've got 400, 500,000 to spend. You're like... You can't what you can't throw three fifty at this guy and get him. <laughs> He's get like him working in a fucking cafe at the moment. Isn't he, he works at a- Jason Nightingale's Flow Flow Cafe or Flow Espresso or something, and he signed a dollar contract with Newtown just so he could be a part of the of the NRL potentially. Jesus Christ, that's ridiculous. So he's is, is it official that the Sharks have? Uh, or it's just it's coming. Well, he can't play go. for them at the moment until they shed someone. Oh, because of their cap issues. Yeah, their cap so it's either going to be so, him or. But oh, else. but that'll be on the player though. Once he leaves, It'll be like, oh, why? Well, I can't believe you left us yeah, in our hard time. You're like, yeah. well, you didn't want me. You can't. You can't afford me. So I can't believe people still have that opinion though. Like it's 2019. Everyone, it, everyone knows how professional it's become. Yeah. The league. Well, th- it's not 1980 where it's like, oh, do you hear he's going to fucking 
from the fibros or the silver tails. No, I had Darren. Do you know what I mean? We're sort of behind. We're, we're much further behind America in that regard. Though, Twenty you know years, what I mean, Tom. like much further behind. Where they, it's like fuck it. Everyone's like, you know, OBJ's just gone to Cleveland. LeBron's oh, been to every fucking team. Like everyone's changing, and it's purely just about like. I mean, well, in LeBron's case, when he did first go to Miami, they burned his jerseys. And that's shit. true. That's <laughs> yeah. true. But in but general, it's far more you accepted. know, like yeah, yeah. it's. But they they move teams to different cities all the fucking time. Yeah, yeah. That's Could you exactly imagine right. if that happened here, mate? Like, there's probably let's all admit it. There's too many teams in Sydney. But yeah. if they move one, it's gonna be, a, it's a gonna be fight. a fucking yeah. shit fight. I agree. We're, look, I've always said we're 20 years behind the Americans in covering in in everything. Like they just they are way ahead of the game and what they do, and mm. we're just trying to chase it. But you know, trades. Why not? Why not talk about trades? Why yeah. not talk about draft? Why not have an open like? Yeah, drafts may be a little bit harder because I don't know if we've got the talent. Yeah, but right. why not have conferences? Why not have divisions? Like, why not give it a go? And if it doesn't work, so well, how would back. conferences work in terms of the announcement? I got. I sat at home one night, and this is before I had a kid. Clearly, <laughs> um, <laughs> Maddie was at work, and I'd had a couple of beers during the day. I think it was, <laughs> and um, I actually went through and broke down. I could do four divisions. Because I like the fact in the NFL that they've got rivalry games. Yes. When I was at the Dragons, rivalry game for me, like the uh, Heritage Round, we played six different teams six years in a row. Like, right. we played Bulldogs, we played Souths. We're like, I'm like, who is our real rival? Yeah. I don't, I don't yeah, get it, you yeah. know? So, um, yeah, we're, our real rival should have been the Sharks yeah. because we're right next door, you know? So, um, I actually broke it into four fours, made it so that everyone played, I think you had 22 rounds total because you have a week off for Origin. And you just play divisions, play each other once. And if you have two conferences, so you play everyone in your conference, uh, everyone in your division twice, everyone in your conference once, and everyone in the other conference once. And wh- wh- where did you come up? What was the split? Do you remember? Uh, I'll say that for po- po- podcast too. Okay, <laughs> I'll come back because I didn't yeah. bring my book today. Uh, I, <laughs> I didn't know how depth we were going to get, but I've got it in my book. I carry it around everywhere and. I don't know. I reckon it worked, but I was probably five or six beers down by then. So, <laughs> but, um, what year did you debut? How old were you? Uh, two thousand and five. I was nineteen. Nineteen for May eighth for, for the, the Roosters, Roosters against the probably worst Newcastle side ever. Really? That had sixteen or seventeen players out of their top twenty-five. No Joey. No. Yeah, it nice. was at the SFS. Um, I'd flown to North Queensland the week before, been eighteenth man. Came back and then Sticky was in Origin, so Gus actually coached me my first week, and yeah, it's cool. Just just before we just go on with there, but like, was there an age that you were where you knew you were going to make it? Uh twenty three. <laughs> I was at the Dragons when Wayne came. <laughs> I wasn't sure. My first fifty games were terrible. Like if I watched them back, I'd be I'd be embarrassed to see what I did on the field because it wasn't much. Um, <laughs> I don't know. When I first moved to City, I moved to, like I was at Canberra with Michael Maguire and in under nineteens yeah. and they moved me on. They offered me three grand. I came to Sydney for ten. I was working at Foot Locker, just trying my best, you know, to do both. Did you ever meet a foot you couldn't fit? <laughs> I met a foot I shouldn't have smelled. I mean, my God. Summertime, they come in for the slides, I just drop them from a height. Um But yeah, it's I just uh, I didn't really know. I mean, I've always wanted to make it. Wanting it and actually doing it is completely different. But, yeah, when Wayne called me through middle of 08 saying he wanted me to be his 5'8", that was probably then the security that I needed. Because Ricky Stewart had coached me for a year and a half and he got sacked. Uh, Chris Anderson come in, didn't like me. So I 
sort of tried to get out and I did go to St. George and then... So what happened? Did Chris Anderson start pushing you out? Ah, uh, did... Chris Anderson dropped me back to the part-time squad because I need right. to work on my team skills. Really? Which was like... Uh, what does that mean? Man, I was on like 120,000 training twice a week. It was great. I was fat. <laughs> like I was turning up to train. If I didn't want to train, I didn't train. And I was really? like, for the first three months, I'd played reserve grade. Was that as a result of being told though that you weren't, you need to work on your team skills? Or was I'd it gone something? from undefeated 04, Jersey flag, you know, talking like I'm going to take over the halves once Freddie retires. Debut in 05. Um, so I debut May 8th, go out on the piss. My next morning, my dad has a heart attack and dies on May 9th. Oh, shit. Struggle the rest of that year, in and out, you know, a bit off the bench. Reserve grade, grand final, we lose. 06, same thing. Lose again in reserve grade. 07, Chris Anderson comes in, he drops me, and I was like, and I said, I'll give it three months. So I got really fit towards the start of the season and played three months, and then he played one game. He played me one game against the Sharks down at Shark Park. Mini kicked the field goal to win, and... The next day I went to... I'd already agreed to go to the Dragons <laughs> before that, but I needed the matchy, so... Um, <laughs> I sort of didn't say anything. I met Nathan Brown and shook hands, and um, my mate's dad had passed away that night of uh, Sharks Roosters. Went to Wagga, and my manager rang me and said, you play Friday night the next week against the Broncos at Cogra. That was my first game. And then they beat Newcastle 72-4. to up in Brisbane that week. I was watching 72 I was watching to 4. We were at the wake and I what? said, oh, I just better turn on and see who we're playing, you know. 72 to 4. I was like, oh, we got them Friday night. <laughs> we rolled them 11-4. Oh, yeah. Beautiful yeah. debut. Nice, bro. <laughs> so you get down to Wollongong, a train out of Wollongong, um, and, you know, Bennett's at the helm. What? How does he differ from other coaches that you've played under? He cares about his players more than any other coach. Like... And when you say that, like I hear that thrown around a lot. What is, can you give us a little sense of what that means? He, the first conversation I'd had with him was, he's like, I train like shit. And he's like, tell me five things you're good at. And I was like, oh, you know, if I said, tell me five things, you're like, oh, I don't know. Because first thing is, I don't want to brag, right? Yeah. You told him, don't brag about yourself. Don't be cocky. So I was like, oh, I'm not sure. And he goes, you don't know five, you play NRL, you don't know five things you're good at. I'm like, well, yeah, you know, kicking. Uh, he goes, okay, well, just work on them. Just work on those five things. And I was like, he said, don't worry about your defense. He said, I'll put people around you for your defense and stuff like that. I was like, okay. Second conversation, game day, Melbourne was about my family. He's like, oh, how's the family going? I'm like, shouldn't I be thinking about the game? Because coaches have been like, think about the game. It's all footy. It's all footy. For Wayne, it's all life. And footy is like... <laughs> the littlest part because really? he knows if he gets the 98% of of my life right yeah yeah then that's he's going to get the best out of me on on Saturday or Sunday so when he left you know I had sort of hard time adjusting to life without Wayne because he'd been such a big part of making me feel good and knowing when to cuddle me knowing when to kick me in the ass and, and get the best out of me that I really struggled with other coaches you know like the guys that wanted me to be tough and fight and get in front of everyone and, you know, you're a dog and, yeah, tackle. And I'm like, just didn't get the best out of me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not like that. I'm an emotional person. I take those things to heart, you know. Mm. Tackling 115 kilo back rollers on an edge isn't my game. My game <laughs> is to kick to the corner and goal kick and, yeah. and do those kinds of things. So, yeah, Wayne's just – he just gets it better than other people. Do you think that Wayne as well – 
is not necessarily treating you the same as he's treating, you know, 100%. another player. Like he's really, is he sort of quite in tune with who it is? And Look at Darius. Yeah. Look at Darius. Darius followed him everywhere because he got Darius and Darius understood that he was safe there and could play his footy without judgment of what was going on in, in around and what people were saying because he could always go to training. And Wayne was the same, you know, like out of origin. So 2009 minor premiers, backdoor. 2010, we win it. 2011, we should have won it, but we finished fifth and Tigers roll us and then we had to go to Brisbane and they roll us golden point. So I play Origin in 2011 and we were first going into Origin. We had seven players that year. Come out, we lose 2-1 to Queensland. Surprise, surprise. Month after, I'm like, we lost five in a row. I was playing like a busted, like I was tired, you know. And they said, Wayne said, we've got to drop you. I was like, what? Like, I played in Origin a month ago. Like, mm. And... See, the other thing is like, side note, people think, oh, being dropped back to reserve grade, oh my God, it makes an ears. You know, Josh Reynolds, back to reserve grade. Reserve grade's a bloody good competition. Yeah. Like, and no one would know that because no. no one follows it. Yeah, that's right. But 17 players each week, right? So top squads have 30 players. So every year people go, right, there's 30 guys here we can use to play first grade. Only 17. So nearly half of those guys are going to miss out every week. The next competition, there's teams in the Canterbury Cup, New South Wales, that could beat Super League teams. Jesus. Like the, the Super League has five, four, four or five quality teams. The rest of them, they could come out here. We could go over there. We, if we were over there for six months with our reserve grade competition, we would beat some of their teams. Mm. Yeah, it's just the way it is. We just got better talent over mm. here. We're 10 years ahead of the game, especially NRL. But, yeah, you just, I just think we lose that sometimes. And then when Wayne said we're going to drop you and I went home and I cried, I was like, how embarrassing is this going to be? This will be on Fox, you know, like... James said, anyway, so I went back the next day and got in real early and went up to him and he's like, how you going? I said, yeah, good. He goes, you have a good day off? I said, yes. And he goes, all right. He goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm fucking playing on the weekend. He's like, good. Get your shit together. (laughs) I was like, should we hug? (laughs) I wanted to hug, but he's like, good. Get your shit together. So we went out and we... We scrapped a win over the Warriors and then that was it. Like, it was wow. just... Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you guys... I was never going to drop you, but you were just sort of... You know, the little things that got you to where you were, you just slackened off a little bit and rather than be like... He's like, I just know how to push his buttons and then he gets that. Fuck, that's cool. Yeah. Fuck, that's wild that's stuff. That's really cool. That's fucking... That's, that's like mental as shit. Where he's fucking <laughs> on a deeper level. He's like, how is he in my It's head? almost like he knew how it was going to play out before I knew yeah. Yeah. and then once I'd caught up he's like I've been here for three days like, <laughs> yeah, yeah I've been waiting for you to what's he like here. in a grand final week oh because I'm imagining a grand final week being just a completely different fucking kettle of fish yeah he's probably a bit more chilled we stayed at the Swiss Grand yeah. um, had my year 10 formal there yeah <laughs> that was a long time ago <laughs> um, so yeah he, he'd stayed like we always because we're a Sydney team you know we want to stay in our bed and play in the Roosters and we're like that's Roosters territory and mm-hmm. he's like I've won six grand finals here <laughs> we're like cool when do we get yeah. on the bus <laughs> <laughs> um, and then yeah he's just so chilled grand final day I mean every team goes for a walk you know game day if you're staying at home you don't go for a walk but if you're in a hotel you have to go for a walk because I don't know it's just psychologically every other team does it so we better do it Um but yeah, so we get supposed to go for a walk and it starts raining and Wayne's like, oh, well, we're not going for a walk. And everyone's like, oh, okay, we're all downstairs. Like, We just sat in a circle and just 
hammered each other, like just started bagging each other, you know, just having a laugh. We played Chinese whispers. This is grand final day. It's like the biggest day of my life. And I'm sitting there playing Chinese whispers. And for some reason, I couldn't have imagined it any other way. It was like, and then like you fast forward and the bus ride out there and, um, Every other like I'm, I've got OCD, so I like doing things exact same mm. uh, when it's you know routine and stuff like that. And we went a different way to the game. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got my headphones on, and I've like got the little sweat coming on. I'm like, oh my god, well, where? Why are we going this way? Like, I'm sorry, I got the headphones. I go, what boys? Why are we going this way? You know, do we, do we, oh, is there traffic the other way? Like, I'm starting to panic. <laughs> anyway, and then they go, no, no, this is heaps quicker. Like, I'm like, okay, yeah, cool, cool. Um, Wayne's trying to fuck with you again Yeah I'm like oh, I don't know if you should be Changing things on Day like today You know Anyway so we walk in And um, Everyone Like everyone was Just business like You know We knew that we were The best team I mean we knew we If we played our best That the Roosters Weren't going to come near us mm. And Because they'd finished six They'd been through A lot of emotional trips To get there mm. You know The Tigers game Is one of the greatest games ever Where Anasta kicks a field goal To tie it up Yeah Kenny Dowell intercept uh, To win the game So but then half time we'd played so bad. Um, it was eight six and we were down. I was like, "This is everything." Because you know, nine. I thought for a month I dreamt every night like, "Yes, this is it. We're winning it. We're winning it. I'm going to be holding that trophy. Everyone that bagged me, up yours. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to be, you know, pictures everywhere. I'm going to be the drunkest man in Australia. No shirt on. You know, we lost. Yeah. 2010. I was like, okay, we're close. Relax, relax. Eight six down. Oh my god, this is it. I've, I'm never going to get back here. I, I can't believe we're blowing this. He walks in and he goes, "I don't know who that is out there." And I'm like, "Oh, yes." All we need to do is win the second half. And I'm there, and I smirked. I remember this clearly. I smirked. And I thought, "Well, fucking thanks. <laughs> if we don't win the second half. We're going to lose. It's eight six. Like that's all I'm thinking, right?" And he goes, "That's not the dragons out there. That's not the dragons that I coach." And and everyone sort of like you could see everyone just go ah oh, it's not yeah first set after half time we kicked down they didn't score a point we end up winning thirty two eight pumped him <laughs> but like fucking the greatest coach of all time comes in and says we just need to win the second half <laughs> I'm probably looking for a little bit better message than that <laughs> if we're ahead on the scoreboard at eighty minutes we yeah. might win this one <laughs> I'm like okay <laughs> but it's just relax you like that's the kind of guy he is and. We win and we go back to Cogger and it was awesome. What was the celebrations like? Oh, uh, so we'd planned, we, there was like probably 16, 18,000 at Cogra. We were on the stage, everyone was singing and yeah, I would, because American sports fan, I'd bought two cigars, but I gave it to my mate and I said, oh, just bring them just in case. And then we got him in and um, my, see, my, my dad was a Dragons fan and my stepdad was a Dragons fan. So, or he's a Dragons fan. And he'd been to watch, you know, he'd been lifelong. Like these Dragons fans, every club's fans are one-eyed, but Dragons fans, a bit different, you know. Yeah. Like, they hadn't won in 35 years, mm. uh, 32 years. Anyway, fast forward. So, my mate goes, oh, I've got those cigars. And I went, yes, this is it. <laughs> this is Jordan. This is Bird, you know, Bird, Red Arbuck, cigars. This is my moment, you know? <laughs> um, And so, we'd planned to stay at the ground that night, which was something pretty cool. Like, you win the comp. You think, party, do whatever. But Wayne had planned it out. We'd stay there. The next day, we'd go to Wollongong, say thanks to their fans. 
Then we had a night in the city where it was just the team and, you know, drinks and club and that. And then the next day, we'd go back and watch the game as a team. And then that would be our Mad Monday. So I go down and I went to my stepdad and I said, oh, I know how much this means to you. Like, you know, he was crying the whole day. <laughs> I said, would you like, because they said, oh, just bring one person down to the sheds, you know. I said, oh, I know how much this means to you. I said, I'd like you to come down the sheds with me. We're going to sit around the trophy and we're going to have the championships together. And he he was like crying. You know? I'm getting goosebumps talking yeah. about it. He's crying. He's going, nah, fuck off. Nah, nah. Are you serious? I said, yeah, come on. Like, Huey, like, come on. You, you, you know, I met you when I was 10. I couldn't imagine doing it. You know, Didn't, you know my dad's gone. Yeah. You're, you're the man, you know. So I took him down. We're all sitting there and the cigar starts going around and he's sitting dead opposite me, right? And the trophy's in the middle and he just can't believe he's in the... He's like, this is a championship cigar because he's a big American sports fan, you know? He's like, this is it. Like, this is my moment. So, like, we puff it and we're passing it around, passing it around and I don't think he's had a cigar before. (laughs) So, I learnt when I was in year 10, I inhaled once and I spewed for like three days. (laughs) So I puffed and I passed it around and slowly come around, slowly come around. Huey's like, this is it. And he's looking at the trophy. He's looking at me. He's got tears. Everyone's like laughing at him, like Dean Young. All the boys going, oh, he's gone. And then I said, Huey, let's go. And everyone's like, Huey. And he goes, takes in the biggest inhale of this cigar, right? And everyone starts losing their shit. And I start, yeah. And I spray the beer around. And then he passed around, and I'm still watching. I said, I love you, mate. And he just looks at me, and he just goes, <laughs> He goes, I love you too. Straight to the toilet. He spewed. We're all cheering laughing. I said, I went and got him. I said, I thought you had a cigar before. He goes, nah. He, said, that, he goes, that cigar? He goes, that's, that's, that's a championship cigar. I'll never fucking forget that. He give me a cuddle, and he's like, I'm going home. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I was like, I love you, Huey. He's like, I've done it. I sat. I've fucking got a photo with you in the trophy. He goes, nothing will ever beat that. And that was, that's Huey. Huey's my, he was, you know, my best mate. He just helped me every time I wanted to quit. He, My mum was my rock and he was the guy that leveled me out and, and always showed me the, the higher side of, of life and, I'll never forget that moment. That's awesome. That is fucking Shout hilarious. Shout out to Huey. Shout out yeah. to Huey. Um, yeah. That's tremendous stuff. That's so funny, dude. That is hilarious. I could see everything that was happening there. Oh, was it was so that, vivid. It, it was, <laughs> oh, that wasn't even the best part. So like, well, it was the best part for me, but then we're all sitting there and just drinking and like it just eventually sort of break and then the guys that wanted to sleep go into the um, away dressing rooms. And the other guys just kept kicking on and there was music going and stuff like that. And anyway, a couple of us, I won't say who, but um, decided to take the trophy on a tour around the field. Like, completely empty Cogra. Yeah. May or may not have had clothes on. I can't remember. (laughs) Um, But there was a lack of clothes. I know that. And we carried this trophy around and I got about halfway and we're yahooing and this and that. Bang, the lights come on. Cogra's lit up at like three in the morning. And it's the groundsman. He goes, hey, boys, just wanted to come celebrate with you. What are you doing? <laughs> so we're just carrying this trophy around and we're yahooing and spraying beer and we're on the stage and it's just awesome. Like, well, this is childhood dreams of sporting is you've got the trophy, never, ever be taken off you. That's why 
being an American sports fan every year, and Tommy, you know this, I bring my ring out on grand final day. And I was like, oh, I don't even, some people go, I don't even know where mine is. I'm like, are you serious? Yeah. Every time someone bags me on the piss, I'm like, just hold on, just hold on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you think you're funny, do you, mate? See <laughs> how you've been your best mate for 20 years. I said, shut up. <laughs> Come back in. Oh, I can't hear you now. Yeah, I can't yeah, hear yeah. you now. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just like, it's the ultimate. It's the ultimate. For sure. Man, that's cool. That's really cool. Matt, I wanted to take you back to 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom and I were... We're in Bathurst at the time. University. We're um, at university together. We had all the boys over game two, Sydney. Origin. New South Wales had fucking got pumped. Lost the first two games in 09. Fucking dog shit. Dead rubber. Won the dead rubber, I think. But who cares? I should have been picked that year. Absolutely. 2010, we got swept. Again. 3-0. And so we lost game one up at Suncorp. And by, by the time you get to Sydney game two, the fucking the state is absolutely gagging for a win. I can't even tell you. I can remember it like yeah. it was yesterday. Yeah. Fucking gagging for a win. And it was the most intense game. What was it? Eight, four? I can't remember the uh, It was, no, it was 10-8. 10-8? With like six minutes to go. And I will never forget it when GI drops the ball and we've got the scrum <laughs> and fucking you get the ball and um, what's Ray saying? It's just like... Um, Sow it, sow it, Minichella, something like that. Like fucking, he just keeps saying your name, does he? he just yeah, yeah. he's a sow it, sow it, sow it, Minichella. I watched it this morning. I wrote down what he says. Here, here they go, here they go. Yeah. You remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fucking it, unbelievable. And then like come back from the ad break because everyone's fucking losing it. And um, Rabs is like. Back at ANZ Stadium now, the, cl- the crowd has gone delirious. <laughs> I repeat, delirious. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember we went out that night and had a fucking gut full of piss, probably went to the Kings, something like that. <laughs> and we came home back at like two in the morning, man, Tom, and we watched the last 20 minutes on repeat until about seven in the morning, just kept watching it over and over and over again. So you paid a, you paid a very special part of that, of that year for us, man. Oh, mate, that was... We should have won the series that year. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that was that moment. Yeah. Because yeah. that was... Well, Pierce... See, that's, that's the moment again. game taken the game... Like, that was you... <coughs> yeah, that was your moment. Yeah. Look, we, I'd rolled the ball in set, two sets before. We got a repeat set. And then I overkicked it. And you're talking about GI knocking it on. Uh, Akili Uate. Jockey had actually knocked the ball back in. And because it was too... The kick wasn't good. And, you know, I was going out in the full... And GI sprinted onto it and just knocked it forward. Mm. And if he catches it, they go and they win. Like it was looking back. That was that's Shit what the game pants stuff. Yeah, that, that's what the game's made of. The game's made of Moments, 50, 50 yeah. plays. And yeah, some players make it happen. Some players miss their opportunity. Anyway, then we got the scrum, and I just looked up and I thought, ah, oh, I'll just get an out ball here and just see what happens. You know, I don't want to do anything to just want to control the game, which mm. is what I'm supposed to do. And um, was 12-8, so I thought, can't go for a field goal. Just need to make sure that we massage and we just take time off off the clock. And then sort of got this beautiful pass from Piercy. And it was, just it was a rip. Front. Yeah, it was just really just crisp. And then just went left foot. And then I went, oh, I'm through here. <laughs> and then sort of half broke another one. And then Minis loomed up and I passed it. And then I just took off and... Stevie Gerrard had done the those ones, you know, he points out the week yeah, before yeah, and a goal yeah. and my you know, one of my best mates is a Liverpool fan. So I once Mini scored, I took off because I thought <laughs> an assist is just as good here. You know? like, <laughs> players had come over and Mini scored and we win and it's like this yeah, wow, like we could potentially win this series, you know. Yeah. Um but 
yeah, that moment was was awesome. It was, it was looking all- back. I should have scored. Yeah, you just, yeah, well, yeah. Well, I watched it this morning, and you could have easily scored. Yeah, I know, but it was like. That's but I like the play. The, I like that you gave it to Minnie. Minnie's back in the side yeah. after. But that's a while. the play, it isn't nice. it? Yeah. Like if I drop Big it, time. it's even if you don't want to be like that Monday in the it. grand final where he knocked it on over the line. Like just, you go, you, you, you make the, the right play. And yeah. if that was my play, was the pass it? Then obviously I I did the right play. Fucking oath, you did. That was <laughs> that was phenomenal, and one of the one of the great great origin memories, great nights. We actually, I think, I don't know if it was that night or another night. I'm gonna say that night for the purpose of this conversation but where I accidentally put a chair into the roof of the house in celebration <laughs> oh almost Plus, certainly that might have been that almost now certainly. he's my boss yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we talked about this with uh, with um, like anytime we'll get a guest in ath- who's an athlete not that we've had anyone who's not an athlete from memory but uh, look me and Eddie are frustrated athletes you know we never really made it mm-hmm. but Back in school, the me- the measure of your sort of sporting, uh, your, your fitness was the beep test. And <laughs> we're shocked to find out when we've spoken to, shocked, to, to athletes that beep test is sort of no longer used at all in the professional world. Yeah. It breaks my heart. But do you remember what you got in the beep test? Um, I think I was like 15 or 16. Holy shit, so you were a Solid. boy. And... Yeah, we'd done like a thing for this, a touch academy that was new down in Wagga. And um, I think the highest I got was like 15 and a bit. That's but that good. was like, yeah, I'm not, I hated training. That's clearly why I retired because yeah, I just didn't I mean, look it, after my body enough. But but do you think the beep test has a place in the modern beep game? Beep test is the most overrated <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. test ever. Look, we, know, we respectfully disagree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had. I've had guys, friends, you look across and they, they hear the word beep test, they don't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> they don't sleep. But look, it's, you know, I think my last thought on this, and I will be back for a part two. So Fuck yeah. um, in 20 or 30 years time, we're going to look back and realize that we weren't specific enough with our training of rugby league players. Um, big guys doing sprints, smaller guys doing longer distance stuff. Guys that were built for speed, doing longer distance stuff, um, it's going to be all backwards and we're going to realise that we missed the trick because NFL, I get it, it's only short stints, but they have mini camp. They look after their players going into a season. We train for four months before a ball is kicked. Like if you finish last, you're coming back November 1. And that that's mental, crazy. I get it, the mental side of things, but I think we're going to look back in 20 or 30 years' time and be like, we got it so wrong. We, we trained in the middle of the day, but our games are at night. Mm. Right. You know so just I mean? yeah. So just on that, when you're talking about big guys training for sprints, you're saying it would be better for the big guys to train in short, sharp bursts because that's the, how they're used. The big guys don't stop in the middle, yeah, but they don't need to run three k as fast as they can. They might need to run six k, but they need to. It just needs to be a bit more specific. Like in the gym, I can't lift the same as you. You can't lift the same as Ed. It's it's just it's going to be all different. We're going to look back and be like. Why was Jamie Sauer trying to do 140 kilos bench press, you know, <laughs> yeah. when one of the front rowers can only do 110? Mm. Just because I'd had a good week at training. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it should be more about looking after your body because, like, there's, it's just, I think we'll look back and we'll realize it's the way we did it was just trying to break each other down, uh, break people down, the trampoline effect and try and bounce into the uh, season. Mm. Doesn't work. Mm. All right. Uh, look, before we go, this obviously is being recorded before round one of the NRL season, so we can't talk about results. But we can see how 
uh, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? Can he be? Can you pick the round and then when they yeah, listen to it on see, Monday yeah, they'll know yeah. if you've picked it on. Oh, let's okay. see if you can pick the round. Aristotle. <laughs> yeah. Are you an Aristotle or not? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, Broncos. And Souths. No, no. See, oh, let me get. I'll get it up here real quick so we can. Oh, I've got he probably. T- he probably knows it. Oh, yeah, right. I was going to say. Oh, no, I thought you were saying like, but who's I've playing? I've tipped in who? six different platforms. <laughs> yeah. I just try and mix it up so I don't. I can't get. Uh, Broncos, Souths, Cowboys, Titans, Tigers, Panthers, and Knights. Knights. Okay. Right. It's interesting. Not too, not too dissimilar from ours. I think except we a, went Storm. Yeah. Well, you made me go Storm. And I think the Broncos are specials for the Premiership. West Tigers. Well, no, we're Manly. Fans. We went Manly oh, over West. Yeah. So. I think that could get ugly. Yeah. That's a, that's a bit of a. Sp- <laughs> no, mate. Look. Um, look. As a Manly family, look, we saw that back good. line they rolled out this week. I was like, fuck. It man. is not good looking. Anyway. Um, mate, thank you very much for coming in. Really appreciate it. Appreciate uh, it. Look forward to getting back for part two. I'll bring my uh, division yeah. book and we can sit we down can and discuss Break that. it down. Perfect. Yeah, can't All wait right. for that, mate. Really appreciate it. Cheers. All good. All right. Beer soon. Could you two just not talk anymore?